Welcome back to another episode of Hang Time Headlines. I'm your host, Schwally. Got John here. How you doing, bro? Doing well. Ready to talk some NBA. Oh, yeah. I'm hyped for it. We've been covering a lot of the NFL draft recently. Had our head deep in prospects. But it is time for the NBA playoffs, and I could not be more excited. Got a great NBA podcast for y'all today. Gonna talk a little Lakers, Brooklyn Nets, Steph Curry and the Warriors, Bucks and Giannis. Low COVID, home court advantage, what impact that'll be in the playoffs, Heat and Mavericks talk. And then cover our own favorite teams, Celtics, Pelicans, pretty disappointing on both ends. And we're going to cover a little hot take I had regarding the NBA playing tournament this year and maybe some adjustments they can make going into next year. This year's playoffs, John, is completely different from what we're used to. I mean, there's no clear frontrunner. Yeah, there's some good teams, but it's not like the last couple years where you've had the Lakers, the Warriors, the Miami Heat dynasty. We don't know who's going to win, and that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah, and I think it negatively reflects a little bit on how this season was set up. I'm not going to attribute all of it to the way that the season was shortened and all the games were pushed together, but there have been a lot more injuries than in previous seasons. So I think that lends itself a little bit to the fact that there is no clear winner. LeBron has been out for the majority of the year. Kevin Durant was injured for a lot of the year. Same with James Harden. Kyrie was in and out. Yeah, John, you talk about those stars. And I think for us, the Lakers and the Nets are a couple teams that if they can just put it together, find that final piece to the puzzle, they could be really, really dangerous. The Lakers this year, they're 17-8 and eight in the 25 games where they have had both LeBron and AD. We know that duo can play. We saw what they did last year in the playoffs. And one of the best points I've heard recently was actually something you mentioned to me the other morning, John. You don't want to see LeBron James fully healthy in the playoffs with rest. We saw it last year coming back from a COVID break in the bubble, he was well-rested, ready to go, and that man is dangerous. So if the Lakers can come back healthy, they're a team for sure that nobody wants to see in the Western Conference. I couldn't agree more with you, Schwally. I think LeBron is the player who you know, if healthy, he is going to bring that A game, that monster, that playoff LeBron that we know and love and we've seen for the better part of 10 years now. AD... I've seen a lot more of that monster in him since LeBron has not been back and he's been the sole star in LA. If he can bring that, then they are absolutely the scariest team because right now, even without LeBron and AD, they managed to be the second best defense in the NBA, which is a credit to them. It's a credit to Frank Vogel, but also just shows you really how deep this team is, even if it's a different team than last year. Because last year, There were a bunch of question marks. LeBron and AD were really the only ones that fit. And when LeBron was on the court, he made everything better. And then it just kind of canceled out. Now, they're the question marks and their team around them is really the ones that are only reliably there, even if they're not the best players in the NBA. Yeah, John, the Lakers pretty much have the opposite problem this year where they're missing their superstars, but the bench and the players around them are healthy. Another team that is just absolutely loaded with talent where injuries have kind of kept us from seeing their full potential is the Brooklyn Nets. We take a break from this podcast to give a huge shout out to our sponsor ET Sports Betting. 
Follow them on Instagram at ET underscore sports underscore betting. ET underscore S-P-O-R-T-S underscore B-E-T-T-I-N-G. These boys got over a 70% win ratio on the season with a 75% win rate over the past two weeks. They aim to maximize the wins and minimize the losses. Only W's, no L's over here. From big bets to bankroll builder parlays, they cover it all. As the playoffs begin for the NBA, they are running a $50 special to cover the entire length of the playoffs, plus the finals. DM them to join, but also toss them a follow as they release free parlays regularly. Go get yourself some money. Follow our sponsor at ET Sports Betting. The Nets are just 6-2. and two with their big three in the only eight games that they've played together. That's ridiculous. you got Kyrie, Harden, KD, and they've played eight games together all year. In fact, really looking at it, KD and Kyrie were supposed to be this crazy duo two years ago, and they barely played together. So this is another team where, you know, if Kyrie doesn't go crazy with his flat earth theory or leaving the team for personal issues and personal matters when he's celebrating his and his sister's birthday, if they can just keep it together, keep that chemistry, no one's beating them in the East. Let's just be honest. I think it's debatable. I think the Nets are a team that I don't believe in, and I'll tell you why. Last year, my main criticism and issue with the Clippers is that they were never on the court together and that they never picked up that chemistry in general. And regardless of offensive and defensive talent that they had, we saw that they were able to lose three double-digit leads in a row in the playoffs to the Nuggets. And so I don't think that a team that doesn't play together is going to really have any lasting impact in the playoffs. And not to mention, just a brief little point is that They're a bottom 10 defense in the NBA. There has not been a single team that has been able to win a championship with that liability in their stat line since Shaq and Kobe in the early 2000s. So I can't think that they're going to win, much less get to the NBA finals if they're not able to get a stop. Because what I've been seeing these last few weeks is that teams are really showing their grit right now in trying to get into the playoffs and get out of the playing game or get into the playing game. I don't see that grit yet from the Nets. Yeah, John, that's a really fair point. And I think when I look at these Nets, if, big if, they can get it all together, they're going to run through teams. But I really don't give them that high a percentage chance to actually have the team chemistry step up defensively work together offensively, I just think there are going to be some lingering issues from the lack of time that they played together, the injuries, the lack of defense. But one thing that is important to note is that Kyrie, James Harden, and KD are notorious for not playing defense during the regular season. This doesn't mean they don't try defensively. They give you some effort, but man, they really step it up in the postseason. I mean, you got Harden and Kyrie, who in the playoffs are some of the best guards at forcing turnovers, creating steals, picking your pockets, and that results in transition points on the other end. Not to mention KD, who, when he's fully healthy and when he wants to, can pretty much defend all five positions on the floor in modern-day basketball. So the potential is there. It's just whether they actually reach it or not. I agree, but regardless of how hard KD tries and how capable he is, He's not capable of stopping Joel Embiid for seven games. He's not capable of shutting down Ben Simmons. Neither is James Harden or Kyrie. Those are two just massive people who are strong and excellent, much, much better defenders than they are. 
I'm not going to push back that KD would want no part of Joel Embiid because pretty much anyone in the NBA this year doesn't want to be defending Joel. However, with Ben Simmons, people forget KD's 6'11". Ben Simmons doesn't have a jump shot. I think KD could do a half-decent job defensively on Ben Simmons, probably force some turnovers here or there. But as a whole, the Nets' defense, nowhere near good enough. If KD's on Ben Simmons, who's on Joel Embiid? While the Nets and Lakers are the clear favorites, they're who everyone's been talking about. A couple teams that I think are flying under the radar for the playoffs, just teams that are sleepers that nobody else wants to see. First one, Steph Curry and the Warriors. Warriors are currently 37 and 33 right now, probably destined to be in the playoff game. Steph is having an unreal year, averaging a career high in points, and People forget how bad the Warriors were last year. This was an atrocious team. They went 15 and 50, like the worst record in the NBA by a lot. Okay, they still doubled the 7 and 59 Charlotte Bobcats from back in the day in the lockout season, but last year's Warriors were an absolute mess. And the thought was, oh, they'll bring back Klay Thompson. Well, he got injured and we haven't seen him this year. Oh, they got the number two pick, James Wiseman. He's injured, haven't really seen him this year. So it's the exact same team from last year, but plus Steph Curry, and all of a sudden you're adding 20-plus wins. So that's a team where if Steph starts to get hot and average 40 in the playoffs, he can pretty much beat anybody in the West, in my opinion. Over under 33.5 shots in the first playing game for Steph Curry. Hammer the over. (laughs) You know, Shuali, I agree that Steph Curry right now is kind of a limitless man at this point. He's given free reign to shoot as much as he wants, and that makes the Warriors itself a scary team. But with James Wiseman out, I don't think they have nearly the size nor the firepower to handle much of the Western Conference teams that they're going to be going up against. The thing about the Warriors is that Steph Curry is quite literally the entire offense. If you take Steph out of the shooting stats, if you look at the three-point shooting, they're a 33% team without him on the court, and they're a top-five shooting team with him on. Yeah, and I think the main part of my take on the Warriors is not that they're going to win or make a deep run. It's just that nobody else in the West wants to see Steph Curry. They don't want to deal with someone who can average 40 and drop 50 and 60 on a nightly basis. That's terrifying. But speaking of three-point shooting, my sleeper in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee Bucks. I think people are really sleeping on Giannis and the Bucks this year. Past three, four years, it's all been Giannis is the MVP. Look at the Bucks. They're championship locks. They're going to take this next step. They're going to make a run. And we just haven't seen it. And I think a big reason for that is because defenses have gotten smart in the playoffs. They're packing the paint. When you do this, Giannis doesn't get all the opportunities in the world for free dunks, free baskets, and transition. He struggles when he's going at three or four defenders like anyone would. Furthermore, Milwaukee is not taking advantage of it on the outside from three. So in their six-game loss to the Toronto Raptors in 2019, the Bucks shot 31% from three. In 2020, when they lost the Heat, the Bucks shot 32% from three. Now, if you look at both of those years, in 2019, the Bucks just had three players in their top eight minutes who made 37% of their threes. In 2020, they only had two players in their top eight minutes who made 37% of their threes. This year, 
They got seven. It's Chris Middleton, Forbes, Holiday, DiVincenzo, Pat Connington, PJ Tucker. Giannis is the only one who's not shooting like 37% from three. And that means that in the playoffs, when that wall is created, teams go to defend the paint. If the Bucks got shooters who can knock down from deep, they could make some noise for sure. I agree with you a lot. They're one of those sleeper teams that I think people just aren't talking about it because they're tired of talking about it. I think they're very much like the Clippers in that respect. But I got to bring it back to my argument that I made with Brooklyn and their defense because they are just above Brooklyn in their defensive ability. They are a bottom 10 defense. They're worse than the Warriors right now. So my instinct is to agree with you that I think people are kind of sleeping on Milwaukee and they might actually do something. But their ability defensively, even after adding Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker, who are studs on the defensive end, it just hasn't really improved. And so we'll see if that changes. We'll see if the shooting ultimately trumps the defense in the, in the end. But that's my biggest concern with the Bucks is that they aren't as good of a defensive team as they were in the past. And that's very fair because I think the playoffs emphasize defense a lot more than the regular season. Everybody takes it a step up. Another big factor in the NBA playoffs historically has been home court advantage. Over the last 10 years, not including the bubble, so I went back 2009 to 2019, the team with home court advantage has won the series 111 out of a possible 150 times at a 74% clip. So there is a clear home court advantage in the NBA. I mean, if you just watch the playoff basketball, it's pretty obvious. you got sold-out arenas, crowds going wild. In the NBA, they're right on the court. Players can hear everything. You hit a big three, and all of a sudden, the arena explodes. It matters. And with the COVID restrictions right now, we're going to see a lot of different home field advantages in the playoffs. That's why I think a couple teams to mention right now, Miami Heat and the Dallas Mavericks. They don't care about COVID in Dallas. They don't care about COVID in Miami. Those arenas are going to be packed. They're going to be rocking. And what happens all of a sudden if you got a team like the Brooklyn Nets playing the Miami Heat, where you got 30,000 people packing an arena in Miami and 3,000 in Brooklyn? Same deal with the Los Angeles Lakers in LA and the Dallas Mavericks. There's all these different matchups where the Heat, the Mavs, other teams in these states that just have loosened the COVID restrictions can sell out arenas, and it's something that nobody's been talking about that could play a huge role in the NBA playoffs. Mm -hmm. Imagine if the Mavericks lose in their next two games and they end up the sixth seed in that dispute with Portland and, and the Lakers. They would be facing against the Clippers in the first round. And I don't know about you guys, I want to see that rematch so bad and I give the Mavericks an even better chance with this massive home court advantage. So like if games three, four, and six, you are able to have at home with a super, super loud Dallas Mavericks stadium, I think you can absolutely win that series. That can be an upset for sure. Healthy Porzingis where you don't have stupid technical fouls that get you thrown from the game. Yeah, John, and one of the things that adds to that this year is the NBA play-in tournament. I mean, you got a bunch of teams that are fighting for positioning, trying to avoid the play-in tournament, trying to get into the play-in tournament, trying to lock up those top couple seeds so they can get rest and then play a team that's coming out of the play-in tournament. Whole lot of factors in play. But at the end of the day, I don't really think it's going to matter. Like, 
Does anyone really think that the Hornets, the Bulls, or the Wizards have a chance to beat the Nets regardless of the outcome of the play-in tournament? If you just look at stats historically, number one and number two seeds have won 134 out of 144 rounds or 93% of series since the NBA playoffs in like 1985. So those seven, eight seeds, they pretty much have no chance regardless. Now, would I love to see an upset this year? Yes. Did we talk about the Warriors who might be able to do it? Potentially. But realistically, this is not something that you're going to see happen often. So I have a little neat idea here, which is instead of making a play-in tournament, where you got the 9, the 10 seeds playing the 7 and the 8 seeds, and all of a sudden you're dealing with teams that are 16 through 20 in the NBA. What if you included the world, the EuroLeague, other basketball teams? You go around the world and you find the best two teams that exist that are not made up of NBA players and invite them to a play-in tournament with the 8th seed on a yearly basis. So whoever's the 8th seed knows they got to play a one-game or three-game series against a EuroLeague team, an Italian team, whatever the case may be, and then the winner of that plays the 1 seed. I'm not arguing that the winner's still going to get absolutely smacked because they're probably going to lose either way, but I think it'd be great for the league in terms of expanding it on a global scale and also in terms of the prospects, you get to see some of these players that are going to get drafted top five, top 10, play against NBA competition. And to me, that's just more interesting than the nine seed Chicago Bulls. I agree that I'd be interested to see that. I admit, I don't know nearly enough about Euro basketball or basketball around the world in general. I'd be interested to see how the logistics of that go down because they're technically a different league. I don't know how that would work and incorporating it into your own league. But yeah, I don't need to see the Bulls. You've seen 72 games of this mediocre team and they're fighting for a spot versus I would be much more excited to see a team that I've never seen before ever. And just that 10, 15% minuscule percent chance for an upset becomes 80 times crazier when it's a team made up of like European basketball players. Like yeah. the next Luka Doncic pulls an upset in the NBA playoffs. And think about how hyped those European teams and countries would be, all those fans, to beat an American team like that. It would literally cause a rivalry. It'd be good for the NBA because they'd get a European audience, and it'd be good for European basketball because they'd be getting experience in the NBA. It's a win-win-win-win-win on so many levels. Speaking of teams that are going to be playing in this play-in tournament, my Boston Celtics, man, it has been a tough year. Celtics season got off to a rocky start pretty much from before it even started when we decided to trade Gordon Hayward for nothing instead of Miles Turner, Aaron Holiday, and a first-round pick. I don't know how you decide that literally nothing is better than an NBA All-Star, a first-round pick, and a bench player, but that was the decision, and that's why we suck now. Tatum and Brown, they've had standout years, okay? I'm not going to lie. They've played really well but it just hasn't resulted in a better team performance. I mean, the Celtics are gonna wrap up the year with their worst record since Brad Stevens' first year when they had the sixth overall pick and drafted Marcus Smart. For me, it's just time to blow it up. And this doesn't mean trading one of Brown or Tatum. It means trading everything else. Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, Semi Ojale, I do not care. Get rid of whoever you got to get rid of 
to bring in that third star around Brown and Tatum. Maybe it's a Bradley Beal. Maybe it's a Damian Lillard. Trade seven first-round picks. Go crazy. I do not care. It is time to win a championship in Boston. you got to make a move. Danny has not been aggressive in the last six or seven years. Made his first deal at the trade deadline since the Isaiah Thomas deal this year, and it was to acquire Evan Fournier. That ain't going to elevate you to a championship. We need superstars. Boston is a city of champions, and this is just not good enough. Yeah, Schwally, the Celtics really have been a major disappointment in my eyes this year. Tatum and Brown have been exceptional, but as you said, it hasn't really translated to wins. And now that Jalen Brown is out for the playoffs, it's not even going to be an exciting watch, even if they do manage to make it out of the play-in. I literally hope they lose so we can get a higher draft pick. Not to mention, if we go on any sort of run, maybe they don't consider blowing it up. Yeah. Speaking of major disappointments, let's bring it down south to my team, New Orleans Pelicans. They were teetering outside the playoffs the year before. I thought they were going to make a jump because Zion and Brandon Ingram were only going to get better. They had a couple first-round picks, which were all right. They had Lonzo. Lonzo did take a step this year, but still ultimately not what we wanted to see. The Pelicans were a major disappointment, and it was mostly on the defensive end. I don't know if it was because they didn't buy into Stan Van Gundy, but they had some embarrassing losses this year. The Pelicans have lost 14 games this year, nearly 45% of their losses after leading by double-digit points, which is unacceptable and tells me they're so much more capable than what we're seeing they're like the Dallas Mavericks last year, which they're popping on offense, but didn't have it together defensively and couldn't close games out. So ultimately, I'm glad they're out of the playoffs and not in the play-in. I want to get a better pick. If you can trade away Lonzo for something that would be meaningful, maybe trade up into a top eight, top five pick. I mean, right now they're sitting at like a nine, 10 pick in the lottery system, but we'll see what they can do. They have plenty of picks. They can make some moves. Yeah, Pelicans kind of dealing with the opposite problem that Celtics are, where they get out to big leads and then blow them, while the Celtics are falling behind by 30 and then trying to crawl back and making it a five-point game, but just not being able to finish the job. Pretty disappointing for both of us on a personal note with the teams we follow, but really excited for the NBA playoffs. As always, drop a like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Spotify. I'm out. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Balling crazy with the hang time.